Welcome to the Biology of Trauma podcast, the show that provides professionals with the knowledge and tools for effective science-based solutions for the trauma healing journey. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and I've done the hard work so you can stop your endless searching, have a roadmap for your own work, and be able to help others more powerfully. And welcome to this episode of the Biology of Trauma podcast. I am your host, Dr. Amy, and in this episode, we're talking about hormones, hormones and how specific time periods with hormonal changes are actually a portal into our stored trauma. My special guest for this episode is Robin Nielsen. We're going to be answering the question, how are hormones actually a portal into our trauma? This is not a new finding, and I want you to listen to Naomi, a naturopath who shared this as she was in the Biology of Trauma professional training courses with me. Hello, my name is Naomi Judge. I'm a naturopath and clinical nutritionist. I've been working with women for the past 16 years, working on their hormone levels, working with women with, with, who struggle with cyclic moods. And particularly over the last few years, I've been focusing on women with PMDD and severe PMS, anxiety and depression within their cycle. And one of the things I've noticed is women can only get so far in terms of working on their lifestyle, working on their supplements, working on their diet, you know, that can have massive positive impacts on their health and well-being. But for some women, I noticed there was kind of a point where they just couldn't get any further. They felt better, but then suddenly they would get into their luteal phase and suddenly those dark moods would come in, those ruminating thoughts, those insidious ideas, everything there, just coming back, the depression and the anxiety would slowly creep back, no matter how healthy they were being. And I realized there was more going on. There is something more going on. That's what we're going to cover in this podcast episode. So here's what you will learn. Why, if you feel out of balance, your hormones are probably out of balance. What wrong advice doctors are giving about hormones. The times in our life when our body is more ready to deal with past traumas because of the hormonal changes. Something called estrogen dominance. You may have heard about it. And what is misleading about that and what you should know about it instead. And the two major hormones that are not estrogen and progesterone or testosterone that are really affecting you. And these are the ones that you should be looking at. What we're doing here is we're really kind of peeling back the layers and seeing, Hey, what's underneath all of this? Because so much of this comes down to things that relate to stress and trauma in our life or that cause stress and trauma in our life. And we just need to look at that so that we can change that and actually be showing up in the world as we want to be showing up. So with me today is my good friend, Robin Nielsen. She is a functional clinical nutritionist, woman's hormone expert, specializing in hormone balance to help women grow younger, no matter what their age. She is the founder and CEO of natural hormone solution, supporting women in midlife around perimenopause and menopause and then is the CEO of the world's largest and most comprehensive company supporting women with PCOS naturally. She is the past president of the National Association of Nutrition Professionals. Robin, welcome. And my goodness, what an important topic because I feel like hormones get such a bad rap. 
when anything, when anything happens, when we're uh, feeling a feeling, you know, the, right? when we're having one of those feelings, like it, it's always blamed on our hormones and whether we blame it on hormones or whether our partner or our friends be like, they're like, Oh, must be that time of the month. Huh? And it, it's like the hormones are just get the, the dump for everything that is emotional about us. Is that, is that fair? Oh my goodness. Well, like I, like, I like to say, you know, we women know hormones, you know, we just, we know hormones. We just don't know what to do with them. And yes, I would say, I, I love it that it's blamed on hormones and not on us, right? Whatever, (laughs) you know, those darn hormones. And it's so true because, you know, our hormones are the cellular communicators in our bodies right? They're what go around and tell every little cell what to do. So yes, if we're out of balance, chances are our hormones are really out of balance. So that's a really good point. If we are out of balance, there's a good chance that our hormones are out of balance. How do you see that manifesting in physical health symptoms? Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, so many women who find me or who come into my world have been told by their doctor that they're fine. And fine, that F-I-N-E has, has become a four-letter word, right? An ugly four-letter word because your test results, right? Your lab results look fine, meaning there's no disease yet. So there's nothing to treat, but the poor woman is sitting there feeling like crap, right? The old FLC feeling like crap. And she's like, but I don't feel fine. Like I've, and there is this philosophy to treat the patient, not the test results, but we don't play it out. So as a result, the poor woman is either, you know, given the advice of just lose weight, right? Which we're often told that just lose weight and everything will come into balance, which it doesn't, by the way. And if we could, we would, right? If we could, and you know, how many decades did I try to lose weight thinking it was my fault and I didn't have enough willpower. And if I just try harder this time, then I could actually do it. Right. So it's horrible that, you know, we're not given better advice, uh, you know, around what's going on, but every symptom you can imagine. So pretty much any chronic health condition is related in some way back to hormones. You could even relate digestion back to hormones because if your adrenals, right, if you've been stressed for too long, guess what? Your digestion doesn't work anymore, right? When you're stressed out all the time, digestion is suppressed. So digestion, moods, right? Anxiety, depression, hot flashes, right? We know that that's related to hormones. We don't know quite how, but we know it's related. PMS symptoms, right? Pain and irritability and fatigue and, um, you know, and weight gain, of course, and weird things like, so, you know, we pay attention to things like weight gain and I had acne, you know, on my face, my chest and my back that started as a teenager, but it went on for decades. So we know that there's a hormonal imbalance going on there somewhere. And I had arthritic symptoms in my hands when I was in my late twenties, right? I'm like, "Mm, this is not right. So that's why I say no matter what your age, because I feel better now in my fifties, like way, way, way better than I ever did in my twenties and thirties. 
And then I had receding gums and I had the enamel on my teeth was receding. So I had to use special toothpaste. I'd use special toothpaste to protect my enamel so that I didn't experience pain when I ate hot and cold. And then I don't know about you, but I had, I had rough elbows <laughs> and I thought it was a lotion problem. I kept trying different lotions, right? Like every night I put my lotion on my elbows and, you know, they'd be kind of soft for a little bit, but then I'd have to put more lotion on them. Well, come to find out it's not a lotion problem and that my receding gums were all about hormones and I healed everything, right? I healed my weight gain. I healed my, um, my teeth, the enamel on my teeth. I healed my gums. I healed my rough elbows. I healed my digestive problems. I healed my acne, right? I healed everything because I learned how to balance my hormones, and what you started off by saying, I mean, I can see why you're so passionate about this, right? Like this is, this has been your life and it gave you your life back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning, you said something that I'd really like to bring that focus for our audience back to that. And that is, you said that hormones are messengers and they are even messengers in our brain. I'm not sure that many understand that our hormones are actually messengers to our brain. So of course that they directly affect our mood. Can you speak a little to that? Help people understand what Mm. hormones message and communicate what in the brain? Yeah, that, that, that is, that is a little bit more complicated, but, but it's like, for instance, um, thyroid hormones are a progesterone agonist, right? Meaning, meaning it works synergistically with progesterone. So if your thyroid is not functioning optimally, you're not going to feel a sense of calm and balance and ease. And your menstrual cycles are probably going to be all messed up. And, you know, so it's the synergistic relationship like that, that happens um, with our hormones and our brain chemistry, right? And as soon as we're stressed out, adrenaline surges, you know, we produce norepinephrine and epinephrine so we can run from the tiger, right? And those are the excitatories. And what happens is like, in, I think anxiety is a very interesting example because, you know, you think of anxiety as, as, a, as a state where you're really kind of amped up, right? But it's really considered a low mood state, And it's because you don't have enough inhibitory brain chemistry, your serotonin and GABA, to to counteract your excitatory, right? Your dopamine, your norepi, your epi. And so you go, I call splat on the ceiling, you know? So so it's, um, everything's interconnected in the body, you know? And I, I was thinking recently about how, you know, we say mind, there's a mind body connection, (laughs) but there's, there, it's more than that. It's all one, like it's not separate, right? Our second brain is our gut. And some might say that the second brain is the heart, right? I mean, the heart really needs to be running the show, but um, our brain overrides it constantly. (laughs) You mean when things are traveling through our blood, it doesn't, it doesn't automatically, you know, enter in that brain be like, okay, I need to act differently because I'm in the brain now. Right. Uh, versus when right. I'm elsewhere in the body. 
I just think that is, is so is so amazing that at some point in history we separated the two. <laughs> that we even have to have a terminology to bring them back together. <laughs> yeah, the mind body connection. You're like, well, wait. Every cell in your body experiences and feels emotion. Every cell in your body. So whatever your brain is thinking is going to every single cell, and it's registering there, and it's creating hormone balance or hormone hell, right? It's creating one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the questions that I would love to ask of you is I noticed that many of the women who come through my programs, especially sign up for that first, you know, first foundational 21 day journey into your nervous system. And I would Mm -hmm. say Robin, that they are often the ones that would, if we were in a real classroom, we're all, all online, but if we were in a real classroom, they're the ones that are like on the front seat, like they are so into this. They're so invested into understanding what is going on in there. I want to say it's, it's more like they're, they're actually ready to look at their stuff. Right. Why would that be? Help me understand why a person, why a woman going through the hormonal changes around menopause, why does that seem to open them up? You know, for, for the majority of us, um, our experiences, some of our experiences are pretty hard. You know, I think for most women, we experience a lot of things that are very hard. I mean, childbirth alone is very hard, super hard. Like I didn't have any anesthesia for any of either of my kids. And I was pretty young when I had kids and it wasn't because I was trying to be a hero. I just wanted to feel my body, but that's a pretty traumatic event. Right. And then, oh my gosh, just, you know, deaths in your family and traumas and, you know, just raising a family or whatever it is you're going through. It's a lot. But I would love to get back to your question and you have to remind remind me because I I think it's like the best question ever. And I'm glad that you brought up birth because that's the other kind of time that I see this happening. And I see uh, menopause. Exactly. I see like these these periods of time in life where women experience these big hormonal shifts, Mm -hmm. like they've just delivered a baby, right? Massive hormone shifts. And then menopause and both of those times I am seeing women being the most open than at other times in their life to doing some personal work. I love that you've noticed that. I think that's amazing. And, and here's what I know. And I did, and I just have goosebumps all over my body right now that you recognize that it is the coolest thing. So so what happens is um, we, we can explore the, the uh, you know, post childbirth time, but what I know is like towards um, the later, latter part of uh, perimenopause going in, you know, to postmenopause once your period is stopped for at least a year is that it's a pretty cool time. I get really excited talking about it because, you know, our progesterone decreases, right? It's been decreasing for years now if you're postmenopause, but also estrogen. And and <laughs> estrogen is you is is the hormone it is the hormone that makes you a woman, right? We have we have way more estrogen than men, but it also is the hormone that keeps you stuck in serving others. It's an in-service hormone. It's a, how can I care for everybody else but myself? 
So as we get lower and lower in estrogen, we actually start taking care of ourselves better. We start asking the question, what is it I want for myself? We start not giving a flying, you know what, about everybody else all the time. So there's an expression that goes something like, you know, don't set yourself on fire to keep others warm. Well, we've been setting ourselves on fire for our entire lives until we get into the latter years of perimenopause. And then all of a sudden we start speaking our mind. (laughs) And I think that that's what ended uh, women up in like insane asylums and, you know, crazy houses because they're like, who is this person? She never used to say things like this. (laughs) She never used to speak up for herself. What's happened? You know? And so we actually start saying what's on our minds. We actually um, start new careers. Like we are like, okay, this is my time, you know, and as we age, women get more like men, testosterone becomes a bigger player in our hormonal profile and men get more like women. So you'll see men crying at movies, you know, as they age, it's like, wow, like what's going on here? Is that a tear? (laughs) Are you crying? (laughs) And it's kind of a sweet time for women. So many women, I mean, this is really like aging me, but like I was thinking of Cloris Leesman, she was a comedian. I think it was Cloris Leesman. Like she didn't even start her comedic career until she was in her 50s or 60s. And and I want to say Louise Hay, you know, she didn't even start her whole mega empire until she was much older. And so it's really our time. And that's why, you know, you see so many women like in that front row seat saying, oh my gosh, like I am so ready to learn. I'm so ready to take care of myself. That is beautiful. And, and this is a wonderful um, understanding of what is possible going into menopause. Like it, it truly is something to look forward to then. Yeah. Of like yeah, my, my reset coming going into on. yourself, into your true yeah, self. Exactly. You're coming into who you really are. Right. Cause you know, we're seen as, you know, the nurturers, you know, we're there for everybody. We make sure everybody's cared for, everybody's taken care of. And in the process, we're wearing ourselves out. But as estrogen becomes less and less of a player, which is kind of nice because it's a, you know, it's um, over time that our estrogen levels drop, you know, that we start stepping into who, you know, we really are. And we can sometimes for the first time in our lives, not only have the time and the space and maybe the financial situation that allows us to, but we also have the hormonal profile that allows us to choose ourselves for the first time. Ah, incredible. So as you were talking about estrogen, it started me thinking of some of the health conditions that are associated with high estrogen levels. We Mm -hmm. even talk about estrogen dominance. Yeah. So is that related to the same thing? Are you seeing this kind of personality in those, particularly in those types of syndromes of estrogen dominance, where they're, they're very much caring for others? You know, estrogen dominance, that's an interesting, that's an interesting phrase because 
I don't like that phrase very much because it gets passed around so much and it gets poor estrogen gets blamed on so many things, but we actually need estrogen for a gazillion things, right? For good mental clarity, for good bone health, for a lot beautiful skin, a lot of things. The problem with the phrase estrogen dominance is that it implies that estrogen is really high, but it's not necessarily really high. In fact, you know, in the population of women who suffer from a condition called polycystic ovary syndrome, which is not correctly named by the way, right? It's just, it's just higher levels of androgens or, you know, male hormones. Oftentimes you'll hear the phrase estrogen dominance. And a lot of times estrogen is low, but progesterone is lower. And so that creates an imbalance because you want a a really nice ratio of estrogen to progesterone or progesterone to estrogen actually. Um, And so, so yeah, with estrogen dominance, you're going to see some conditions that aren't so great, but it's probably more how you're metabolizing and methylating your estrogen than the fact that really estrogen's out of control, right? Because we have... This is, this is getting off on a crazy tangent, but we have, we have something called the estrobolome in our digestive tract that actually helps to uh, manage estrogen levels. If we don't have good gut health, then something called beta-glucuronidase can overgrow and cause poor estrogen metabolism. If our liver is not functioning great, we can have poor estrogen methylation. If we don't have enough fiber in our diet, then we're really in trouble because we can't bind to estrogen that's been metabolized already and we can't get it out. So we recirculate uh, estrogen that's already been metabolized and it's more potent or stronger than ever. So there are all these reasons for an imbalance in progesterone to estrogen. And yes, I think it's it's an important topic, but you have to actually know what's going on in order to fix the problem and not blame poor estrogen. You know, in my reset, I talk about um, how estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone are our minor hormones. They are minor, but that's where we pay all of our attention. I can't tell you how many times, like especially women in menopause, they'll say, I have no, no hormones. Like, how can I fix my problems? And I say, no problem. We can fix your, your, your symptoms, right? With no hormones, you can't. But we test the minor hormones. And then, you know, a lot of women in my community, they actually post their scores, you know, their test results. And what they don't realize is that the two major hormones that affect the minor hormones are the ones that you really need to be paying attention to. Because especially like for your community here who is listening to this, who have been through a lot of trauma in their lives or a lot of stress, they have been in in a very um, elevated cortisol state for a long time. And that's the, you know, that's our, our daytime hormone that our little, you know, adrenal glands produce. And, and cortisol is a major hormone because it saves your life. And insulin is what I call a lock and key hormone, which is the hormone um, that is the key that unlocks your cells to get sugar from your bloodstream in to burn for fuel. So you can actually run from the tiger when your life is at stake. Now it could be that you just lost your car keys because your body doesn't really know the difference, right? The same as the tiger chasing me. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> oh my God, where are my car keys? You know, especially if you're late. Right. It's, it's actually no more the car keys. It's the cell phone. Oh my God. Where's my cell phone? Yes. I can't live without my cell phone. There's a tiger chasing me because I can't find my cell phone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't imagine. Right. Like the adrenaline surge, the cortisol, and then insulin has to come up. So when, when you have that going on all the time, right, your entire day could be like that, mm-hmm. like going. And, and what's so interesting is that I used to race from one task to the next. I used to really pride myself on how much I could get done every day. I'm like, okay, let's see if I could get check this off and this and this and this, you know, and that is a symptom of elevated cortisol. That's, that is a hormone imbalance symptom right there. So when, so when your major hormones, cortisol and insulin are elevated, you are not making your sex hormones. You are not making your minor hormones, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone. Not the priority. You cannot make a baby if you're trying to save your life, right? Your, your, your body and your brain are so smart. It's like <laughs> pull the blood flow away from those sex organs, right? And let's, let's get her out of this dangerous situation. But if you're always doing that, then of course your sex hormones are going to be out of balance because they're minor. They're way downstream. So instead of, you know, always testing your sex hormones, think about bigger things, you know, that really affect your hormones. And I call them root causes or hormone deal breakers, those things that really throw your hormones off. And they're the big stressors in your life. And it could be something as simple as, uh, you know, drinking water from a bottle, plastic bottle with BPA in it, right? Because now we know that BPA binds to your insulin receptor sites and can make you obese and can give you diabetes, right? Like we know simple things like that. A toxic relationship can be a constant stressor that totally throws your hormones out of balance and keeps your cortisol and insulin elevated. Not eating for hormone balance, you know, not timing your meals to support your circadian rhythm, not composing your meals to support your circadian rhythm and how you eat, right? How you're eating. So many of us eat on the run, right? That's, there's no way that that's going to support hormone balance. So one of the things that we see a lot in people who've uh, experienced different degrees of, of stress and trauma is that at some point, Robin, it's like their body goes into this collapse and this exhaustion in, in the trauma space, we call that the freeze response. And there's definitely changes in the physiology that happens over in the nervous system. And I'm wondering if there are changes that happen over on the hormone system. And I know, I know you're not the expert in trauma and I'm not going to, going to put you on the spot and make you, make you talk about all of, all of that piece. But, but I know that you've seen this in the, in all of the women that you've worked with, there's this, there's this element of I'm still going, going, going and trying, doing, doing, doing. And then there comes a point where I can't do anymore. My body has just crashed. Mm -hmm. So given that for us, that would be the difference between stress and trauma. Do you see differences in profiles of hormones in those two different populations of, of the, the, the still doing, I'm still trying and 
I I'm, I'm in exhaustion. I'm, I'm in my collapse. I'm depressed. I'm just, I'm getting through life, but I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's because, you know, you experience, so, you know, there are, are those single moments when you experience some crazy trauma, um, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've, we've seen it in, you know, those who have served in wars and, you know, but there are a lot of things that cause PTSD, you know, and, and what happens is, is that we can't get our bodies and our brains out of fight or flight. You know, we're, we become hypervigilant, we don't sleep well, you know, and, and we're still trying to push through and do life as we do life. And so what's happening there hormonally is that you just have these chronically elevated uh, levels of cortisol. So you have, you know, um, too much cortisol all the time. And you may have noticed, like if you, you know, went through or experienced trauma, or you've just been a very busy person all your life, your short-term memory goes actually. Scott. Yeah. Right. Like talk about, talk about more stress because then you can't find your car keys, then right. you can't find your cell phone. And, right. and then you're just adding more stress to your life because every, everything seems to go wrong. And right. it's actually because your cortisol levels are affecting your short-term memory. Yeah. So your cortisol levels, like cortisol hits your hippocampus and it damages your short-term memory. But the good news is you can get it back, of course. But then over time, and this is what happened to me, is that you actually wear yourself out. Exactly. So, it, so it used to be called adrenal fatigue. I, th- I like that because it kind of explains what's going on. It's not really called that anymore. It's really a hypothalamus pituitary adrenal gonadal, maybe thyroid axis problem, right? But you actually wear yourself out and you just don't produce enough cortisol anymore. You don't produce enough cortisone at which converts to cortisol. So if you look at lab results, you know, if you did a circadian rhythm, right, you would see that this, there was this elevated, you know, rhythm, maybe just continually high all day for years and years and years. And then now it's barely above low normal or it's below low normal. So you have to build yourself back up, right? You have to give your body the resources it needs. And that's, you know, lifestyle, food and nutrients, right? You have to shift all of those things in order to build yourself back up. It's a real thing. Like I learned to surf when I was in that place and surfing's hard. And I learned to surf in cold water and my family said, oh yeah, I'll teach you how to surf, you know? And I go out there and they're like, bye, have a good time. So I was there out there all by myself and and it was hard. And, uh, and I would get home and I'd have to like hang out on the couch the rest of the day. Like that was all I could do. And so you, you'll get there. And then that's when you realize that you've got to do something. That's when I realized, you know, I hope for a lot of us, you'll realize it before that point, but that's where, when I got to the point where, oh my gosh, like, this is not how I want to do life. And, And that's where I think for most women, especially they wait to do something until that point, because up until then it may be hard, it may be stressful, but they're still able to keep going. And it's not until they crash that they're like, okay. I have to do something different. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that's where you're headed and just not there yet. Either way, this is a call to you. This is your invitation 
to do something different, to consider the trauma that has been driving our life and our busyness and our hormones. With that, thank you for joining me for this episode. My goodness, what a wealth of information we covered. Thank you, Robin, for this episode. Understanding the relationship between trauma and hormones is a huge missing piece in women's health. If you're experiencing hormonal changes, pregnancy, postpartum, perimenopause, menopause, this is actually your portal to store trauma. This is your time. Your body is ready. When we learn how interconnected hormones and trauma are in the ways that they affect our biology and psychology, we are empowered. We can learn to apply tools. We can have steps that we can take so that we're not stuck. And learning how we can support our hormones better will actually be a tool for helping with trauma reactions and patterns and addressing that stored trauma. In the show notes, I'm going to include some links to you if you are ready to do just that. I'm going to include the link to my guide, Steps to Identify and Heal Trauma. This is your way of knowing, ooh, is my body holding trauma? And maybe I haven't even known it. I've just thought I've been stressed. And it actually sounds more like trauma. This would be your place to start. And then the foundational journey is my invitation for you to actually do something about that. And so the foundational journey is a six-week journey where we lay the foundation of regulation. It's like stabilizing the body to then open it up safely as we address the trauma. But we've got to stabilize it first. And that's what we do in the foundational journey. And people experience significant shifts in their physical health already just with that stabilization. I'm also going to include a link for a biology of trauma health coaching session. This is something that you can have that is a one-on-one session with one of my expert trained biology of trauma health coaches so that we can get a look at your health, your symptoms, what's going on for you through this lens of stress and trauma and give you a personalized plan walking out of that. I'm going to include some of my favorite tools for helping to shift those hormones, especially as we talk about cortisol and being able to shift out of stress and shut down and into what we call parasympathetic, where we are always in our best health and our best selves. My, some of my go-tos that I personally use are essential oils and specifically a vibrant blue parasympathetic blend because it helps me land in parasympathetic. I also use castor oil packs quite a bit because The trauma that my body has held has led to a lot of digestive issues. And so castor oil packs, my goodness, they help me sleep better. They help me poop better and they help me feel better. Shout out to my friend, Dr. Marisol. And then C60. So C60 is my go-to tool for addressing oxidative stress. And that is what is part of this biology of trauma that will cause imbalance in our hormones. And so especially as we age, especially as we are noticing imbalances, that C60 will help the cells have more energy to do what they are meant to do by relieving the oxidative stress that will drain their energy. With that, thank you for joining me. I am your host, Dr. Amy. And until next episode on this Biology of Trauma podcast, lots of love. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe. We definitely will learn, laugh, and sometimes cry together on this healing journey, and you won't want to miss an episode. Give my podcast five stars, share it with a friend or colleague, 
If you felt an impact as it truly helps get the word out and breaking the paradigm of how we do trauma work. I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, this is your host, Dr. Amy, sending you lots of love.